On today's show, MLB analyst and social media superstar Rob Friedman, the pitching ninja, joins us to talk about swinging strike rates, developing new pitching grips, some young major league stars, and much more. Grab your sword, sit back and relax. Our conversation is up next on Beat the Shift. And welcome to another episode of the Beat the Shift podcast. I am your host, Ariel Cohen, and with me as always is Ruben Guy. How are you, Ruben? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. It is the offseason. We're right in the middle of hot stove. Shohei Otani signs. we got a breaking trade. The Dodgers acquired Tyler Glass now from the Rays. So things are moving in baseball. What's going on with you, Ruben? Yeah, it's actually, I'm, I'm doing great, and it's actually fun to watch where all these players go, except I don't like it when the rich get richer. Even though I am a Mets fan, I don't see them doing anything yet, but they do have the most money. But as you see, the way Otani got paid, I don't think it matters how much money you have. Uh, crazy stuff. Yeah, I worry for my Mets what we're going to do for this year. I think it's more of a 2025 play, but uh, we shall see. We've got a great show for you today. Uh, joining us... You might know him a little bit more as the Pitching Ninja. Uh, he's creator of amazing gifts. Lately, he's been doing that uh, Name That Pitcher, which, by the way, I'm so bad at guessing who it actually <laughs> is. Uh, he's credited with having helped a large number of pitchers in one way or another with their pitches. He's got about 160,000 YouTube followers, almost half a billion Twitter slash X followers, been an analyst on MLB, Fox, ESPN, Peacock, others, you name it. Welcome to the show, Rob Friedman. How are you, Rob? I'm doing great. I just found out about that Tyler Glass now thing. That's sick. Uh, did I break that to you? You did. Yeah, just happened minutes ago. Jeff Passan, our go-to guy, just broke that. Uh, yeah, the Rays are selling and Dodgers hungry for pitching. Does that uh, actually uh, help them? Uh, or I should say, uh, does it increase the chances of them signing a Japanese pitcher or not? I think think so they need that piece like either way i mean you know they're one step away and i think that that's the step they need yeah well they they, they do need the pitching they've got the hitting and i mean the following year they're gonna have otani as well pitching that's yeah. stacked roster for 10 years and and after 10 years of course they have to pay a 70 million dollar check for nobody but uh it maybe it's gonna be worth it it'll definitely be worth it for them though yeah, we shall see. We shall see. Uh, but it's going to be exciting 2024. Uh, just, uh, you know, a little bit about you, Rob. And, you know, we know you do all those great stuff at Pitching Ninja. H- how did you get into that? You know, what, what's the story? How did P- Pitching Ninja come about? H- how did you get your love of baseball? And, uh, you know, how did you come to be what you are? So my love of baseball started when I was young. Like, I, I grew up a Mets fan, um, and they were terrible when I grew up. So it was like... It was just rotten, but I always dreamed of being a baseball player, was never good enough. Never even thought about getting involved in baseball, to be honest. But then um, my son was playing, and I got drafted to coach. And I just started doing more and more research um, about, like, the right ways to teach stuff. Like, I knew that what I did wasn't great. And I think sometimes you're better off not having been a stud player because if you're hungry for information, I'm, I have a, I'm a lawyer. Like I have a legal background, what the heck? Um, but I started asking a lot of questions 
got involved in some uh, message boards. This is before real social media. And, uh, you know, one of the guys we'd, we'd all hang out, it was, it was Kyle Bodie, me, um, Ben Brewster from Tread Athletics, Lance Wheeler, who started uh, Baseball Think Tank um, and the Core Velocity Belt. And even the guys like Matt Blake were involved early on in, in the, my Twitter escapade. So it just started growing. I started sharing stuff I learned. I asked a lot of questions, did my own deep dive. Like as a lawyer, I wanted to figure out like what the real truth was beyond the marketing stuff. So I just kept looking at more and more videos, breaking things down, asking questions, and then sharing it because I knew I wasn't going to coach forever. And, uh, you know, it, I, I didn't want the information because I am uniquely positioned to be like a big geek and dive way deep into this stuff. And I didn't want it to kind of end with me. I didn't want people that couldn't get that information, didn't have the time, didn't know where to find it, didn't have nice people to help me out. Eric Cressy's another one. Alan Jager's another one that helped me out. Um, so all these guys, it just took a whole, it's basically a whole village of folks that were all learning together. And I shared it and kept sharing and sharing and it just kept taking off. And I was like, all right, this is kind of cool. And, uh, you know, I, in the meantime, I had started a software company back in 99 and worked there, you know, running into running the, you know, the whole thing for a while and then running a division. Um, and then decided that it's just cooler to be pitching ninja than to be a software guy. And when did you realize, or when did you, when was the, oh my goodness, point in your life when you saw that you're this big social media personality or influencer or even a baseball scout? What what made you realize that happened? Probably the big, like the, the biggest thing was when I got banned by MLB. Um, and it was kind of shocking. Like, you know, at that point I was like, all right, cool. I got more hours of my day back. I don't have to do this anymore. And then they contacted me and said, oh, no, we don't want to really ban you. We want we love what you do. We just want to make it more official. And I was like, wait, really? And when I was, you know, for like a week was off Twitter and all the MLB players and front office guys and everybody were like, wait, you can't do this. The pitching engine. I didn't know anything about these folks that were, you know, I knew that I was being you know, followed. I didn't know how much people liked what I did. And to me, that was like the big thing. I was like, wow, I've had actually a, an influence in this stuff. And I, I would rather, you know, it's just fun. Like that was really probably the biggest thing. And my question then is this, you always talk about the uh, pictures, quote unquote, their secrets and everything like that. Are the, are pictures that you, that you, that you delve into, are they concerned about what you're showing out on, on public and showing these, their quote unquote secrets, how it's e how it maybe easier to hit them? you know, very, very seldom because they, you know, it doesn't really help necessarily with hitting them. It does help other guys. Like most, to me, most baseball players actually want to pay it forward. They know that there's information out there that, that people can reverse engineer what they do. They're a little less worried about that. I think they're more excited about being able to share what they do and to help other folks, but they don't know how to do it because if they start doing it on their own accounts, then people just keep bugging them and asking more and more questions. And if they can go through me, then I get bugged and they don't have to deal with it. So it's way better for them. And uh, so I think it's, it's actually, I'm in a better position to do it. And I think folks generally like sharing stuff. I can't very, very seldom. I'm trying to even think somebody has said, I really can't tell you. And then they tell me later, like it maybe been been at that point, they had a so this is what happened like somebody would develop a new pitch in the offseason and say man check out this splitter i'm throwing 
and like, oh, can I tweet them? Like, no, I don't want you to. Um, and that happens every once in a while because they don't want people to know it until they see it. And then later on, they'll tell me. Yeah, you know, I was going to ask uh, sort of the opposite way, more in the positive that, uh, you know, in terms of helping pitchers, you know, I had lunch yesterday with um, our, our good buddy uh, Frank Stamfel from CBS and uh, talking about uh, how George Kirby sort of found out how to throw the splitter from watching your stuff and your interview with Kevin Gaussman. Um, you know, first of all, what, what is the story with that occurrence? Uh, and also in general, you know, how do you think pitchers use social media to better themselves? Um, so, yeah, that absolutely did happen. And I interviewed Kirby. After. Kirby's a great dude. Like, I love that dude. And a fantastic pitcher. Good, really good dude. Um, big fan. And I thought that was fantastic when he was asked um, where he got his splitter from. He's like, oh, yeah, I was just checking out Pitching Ninja's interview with Kevin Gosman and, and, uh, and picked it up. And I'm like, dude, Kevin Gosman talked about his splitter for like 20 minutes. Like, he gave the most in-depth explanation of his splitter of any pitch that I've ever had anybody describe to me. Like he went on and on about it. It's a very complicated pitch and Kirby just picked it up and loved it, which is why everybody should be watching this stuff. Like it shouldn't just be the pros, but um, you see the, you see why they get where they are because they try to uncover everything they can. And a lot of it centers around, like if I'm putting out content, they want to see it. They want to see what other guys are up to maybe pick up something. I also had you Darvish DM me to get um, Shane Bieber's knuckle curve grip at one point. I was like, oh. I was at dinner with my wife. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. So I'm at dinner with the wife. She's like, why are you on your phone? I'm like, you Darvish wants to know Shane Bieber's knuckle curve grip. I'm like, I got to help him. And sure enough, I did. And, and he threw it, I think the next outing and had like 12 Ks or something. Um, but he threw it as a slider instead of the knuckle curve. That's uh, one of uh, his uh, 12 pitches, right? Yeah, exactly, at least. Do do any of the pitchers tell you to stuff, quote-unquote, off the record and then get and try to get your opinion based on what you see? Do they try? I mean, you mentioned about getting different, you know, having you, Darvish, call about getting a, circle, a certain grip, but do they ask, like, am I doing anything wrong? Am I doing something they shouldn't be doing? Like, am I tipping something? Do they ever come to you about that? Occasionally they do, yeah. Um, they'll say, or they'll say, what do you think about this pitch? Either because they're proud of it or they really want my opinion, like, you know, does this look nasty? And most of the time they're right. Like if a pitcher thinks a pitch is nasty, it's very seldom not going to be. And it's almost like they're, they, they think it's cool, but they want to show me. And generally it is. Um, so yeah, that's, that definitely happens a, a, a good bit, just bouncing things up. I'm here's a resource. Like I never thought I'd be in this position and I view my role as if I'm going to be, I'm going to do everything I can to be the good guy to try and help folks out. And, um, you know, it's just my time. Like I, if I can, I get paid by, by seeing somebody successful and occasionally if they ever give me credit for something, I freaking love it. Like I never expect anything. Um, and I just want to, I just want to be one of the good guys out there. It sounds lame though, doesn't it? Like, I mean, it, it, it doesn't true, at though. all. You want, you want to <laughs> help, you want to help people out, which is good, which is why I, I want to ask this next question. Please tell me the difference between a sweeper and a slider. <laughs> I mean, they're they they're often confused. Um, when I first heard it, I thought you were just talking about a slider that had extra movement, but I had no idea. So, what do you think is the difference, or what is the difference between a sweeper and a slider? So, I could give you the 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 easy version is it's kind of like the difference between a sinker and a two seamer. The way I think about it, 
Um, you know, a two seamer would be more of the arm side run component, less of the downward motion and the uh, downward component. And a sinker is more of the down, they downward component, less of the arm side run that stands out. So a sweeper, a, a slider traditionally, people didn't want to throw a slurvy, sloppy, swooping slider. Like, I mean, Dave Steve did back in the day. It's not a new pitch, um, but it was discouraged by a lot of people. They wanted that tight thing that just dropped that what we would call a gyro slider. So what happened is his Barton Smith, um, great dude. I had, I'd actually so weirdly, and this goes to my like ridiculous lengths that I will go through to find, go through to find stuff. I had found a paper he wrote about two seamers and he's a fluid dynamics professor. Um, and he, and, and I read it, I was like, wow, this is different from what most people think. And I started asking him questions and then publicizing it. So he came up with this whole concept of seam shifted wake, which actually ends up being one of the keys to developing a sweeper. So while it's not a new pitch, it uses newfound properties that we didn't quite know existed in all the hundred plus years of playing baseball nobody knew why the ball moved the way they did they did they only thought it was like magnus effect so the typical spin that you would see that made the ball move and there was this whole effect by the seam staying in a position when the air comes over it, it makes the ball move an extra amount he originally thought it only had to do with like things like a change up or a sinker but instead, most folks are using it today to develop sweepers, and that's why the sweeper does what it does. It's a new property that we're able to now, you know, it used to be one guy would throw it and people tried to copy his grip, but it didn't, grips don't work for everybody. Even if you have a grip, your fingers are different, your arm slot's different, speed's different, height's different, everything's different about the pitcher. Just because you grip it the same way doesn't mean it's gonna do that. But with the seam shifted wake, you can, if you get the seams rotating a certain way, it's unanimous. Everybody can throw it if you can get the ball to do it. And, and that combined with slow-mo cameras like the Edgertronic um, and then things that can measure how the pitch is moving, like TrackMan and Hawkeye and all that stuff, you can easily deconstruct it and figure out how to throw one. So it is a totally different slider. It's like every, it's, every square is a rectangle, but not every rectangle is a square. So every sweeper is a slider, but not every slider is a sweeper. Does that help? Yeah, no, it's absolutely incredible with the technology uh, and and the, the, the science that we're uh, not discovering, but we're utilizing uh, for baseball today. It's just absolutely incredible. You know, I want to talk a little bit about you know twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four, the state of baseball, and we had a lot of new rule changes this year. Most of it had to do with the pitcher. Uh, we know hitting is tremendously up. What what have you seen in terms of your take on the overall effect of the new rule changes uh, on baseball and particularly on pitchers? I would say what the effect it has on me is, is the games get over quicker. I have to do my job quicker, and I tend to stay up later because I used to give up on West Coast games, and now I know I can watch most of them. So uh, it's helped me, but also made me have to do a lot more. But as far as pitchers, I think, um, you know, some of it's helped. I think some of the pitch clock has some good aspects of it that I think helps a pitcher. And there are some aspects of the new rules that don't help a pitcher. I worry still about, about the, the pitch clock, pitch timer, whatever you want to call it, about uh, increasing injuries. And it may be just coincidence, but I, that was my concern going into it, is if you think about like working out, you need to rest between sets. And that's what pitchers do in between pitches. They're resting and recovering a little bit. 
Um, and if you don't have that recovery, after a while it accumulates and you're throwing hard, you're doing max effort. So eventually you may break down or, or be tired. Your muscles don't protect your ligaments as well when they're tired. You may have more injuries. So that could happen. Um, and that's one thing arguably happens. Um, I, this, the shift was really a non-issue. I thought it would hurt pitchers a little more. I didn't think it, I mean, it weren't, it, it looked more like baseball to me, to be honest. Like there were a bunch of balls that you'd be hit up the middle and there were outs and I, you know, with the, with the shift and be like, it's good that you got it out, but that's not the baseball fans are used to seeing. So I thought that was a good change. I like the stolen base change, even though it does, it does tie pitchers hands a little bit with, uh, you know, keeping runners on, you just have to come up with different ways, but there are also unique uses of the pitch clock that I thought created some strategic, uh, opportunities, which I thought were really cool. Um, so, you know, I, I, overall I give, I give MLB like an A minus or almost an A on, on the implementation of it. Yeah, great insight. There's a lot. There's a lot to unpack. Obviously, I give that question to you as a very uh, open canvas, but so much to, to unpack, including your own personal time. I know I'm I'm watching games, and you know I, I sometimes I'm working late, and all right, let's see how the Mets are doing in the 10:30. What, what do you mean the game's been over for half an hour, <laughs> hour already? I mean, uh, yeah, I, I get that. Um, you know what I what I'm also interested in is sort of the variance between game to game, and what I'm I'm noticing, obviously, hitting is up in general, so. ERAs are up around the league. We've had in the NL now, because also because of the DH, uh, the high, we've had a case where the NL ERA is now over the AL ERA, which you know never happens before. Uh, but we're seeing a lot of pitchers, even the ace pitchers, talking like Spencer Strider, Kevin Gaussman, and they're throwing an occasional clunker. We're talking like a five-inning, eight-run outing. Um, you know, they've got their strikeouts so continuously great. They've got their starts where they look fabulous, but they're throwing the clunkers, especially early on in the season. Do you think this is a trend that, that's going to continue? I'm talking about the variance in terms of performance game to game. That is a fantastic question. And I think some of this goes to the mental game stuff where I'd mentioned there's a point where you're recovering um, in between pitches, but you're also resetting your mind and pitchers have been trained, you know, you're doing this your whole life. You know, you have a month, this much time for routine in between pitches. And if you're not able to slow down the game when you need to, which is very tough with a, with a pitch clock, um, you may find it kind of like an avalanche, like all of a sudden things spiral out of control. Now, sometimes it helps because the hitter can't step out as much either. And the hitter likes to be in control and dictate the pace now the pitcher can, but it does definitely uh, impact their mental game because, you know, I, that's one of the big things I'm into is pitchers aren't robots. None of these players are robots. And there's a very important aspect to it that's very understudied. Everybody loves the numbers and they love the, the velo numbers, spin rates. How much did this pitch break? But not everybody looks at the mental game uh, aspects of it. And I do think that impacts it. Um, and probably is one of the causes for that as pitchers try to shorten their routines or figure out other ways to slow the game down so that they don't spiral out of control. Great question. Yeah, it's also the first year we have to see how everyone adapts. We'll see what injury um, avoidance methods the clubs use. So a lot to, a lot to, uh, to see as the uh, years go on. But uh, before we continue on the show, time for the Injury Gurus Trivia of the Week. 
Now this trivia question is going to be geared specifically to you, Rob, to the Pitching Ninja, because you're known for putting up these videos of pitchers making hitters look silly swinging, swinging strikes. So my question to you, and Ariel, you can answer also. We can go back and forth around Robin type, type way of answering. Can you guys name the top 15 qualified starting pitchers with the highest swing strike percentage from last year? Ooh, that's a good question. Top 15 qualified top 15 starting. qualified starting pitchers with the highest swinging strike percentage last year. Can I go with uh, Spencer Strider? Number one. Okay. At 18.9%. Okay. Let's go with uh, Blake Snell. Blake Snell is number two. Qualified. I mean, I'm going to... Uh, you. I've got to go with Senga just because of the uh, the ghost fork and his high... Kodai Senga, number 12 on the list at 12.5%. I'll go with Gaussman. Gaussman is number 10 at 12.9%. Keep it up. You're doing well. Oh. Hi, mm, Lazardo. Jesus Luzardo, number six at 14.2%. I'll go, I'll go pa pa Pablo Lopez. Pablo Lopez, number four, 14.5% swing strike percentage. Not we're, getting, we're getting down to brass tacks here. Uh-oh. Oh. <laughs> uh, Let's throw in Dylan Cease. Dylan Cease, number seven at 13.6. Hmm. You can also think about the high strikeout pitchers in general yeah, from last thinking. year. Um, let's do Luis Castillo. Does he make it? Luis Castillo is number three. Oh wow! I didn't realize. That. Wow! Yes. I, didn't realize that. I did not. I would. I would have thought that might be a little lower. Yes. Um, got a lot of National League pitchers coming up. Fastball Freddie. How about Freddie Peralta? Freddie Peralta, number five. I'll go with teammate 14. Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns did not qualify. Oh. That's strike one. Uh-oh. I'll, I'll give you guys a hint. Think NL East. There are th a couple of pitchers coming up on the NL East that you haven't mentioned. He didn't have a good year, but did Nola qualify for this? Nola did not qualify, no. Okay. Uh, do, 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 do. What, what about, what about Wheeler? Um, Wheeler? Morton? Morton and Wheeler. Wheeler's at number right. eight. Morton's at number 11. How many are we missing? We can't be missing that many. We're missing we did good four. Here. There are four left. You got 11 so uh, far. How about Garrett Cole? Left. Garrett Cole did not make it. Oh, uh, let's see. These are a little bit tougher because you wouldn't necessarily think of them. How about what? I'll give Kyle you a Bradish, you, maybe? Carl Bradish did not make it. Um, two of the guys left were traded, and someone was traded twice or let go and then traded again. Um, let go and traded. <laughs> Lucas Giolito? Lucas Giolito, number 14. Oh, wow. Okay, so let me give you the final three because it's a little bit tougher down here. Lance Lynn. Steady Lance Lynn. At wow, 12, I would not have guessed nine, that. Nine. It didn't seem Number like he was getting a lot of swings. Strikeouts and homers. Yeah, the two um, instances where he, it's, it's what he does. Um, Sandy Alcantara, even though he had sort of a down season, he was still getting the swing and strikes. 
and Yusei Kikuchi was number 15. Now, when I was looking this up, I also wanted to compare the highest percentage of called strikes for a pitcher. Two of the pitchers we named are also in the top 15 of highest percentage of pitchers called strike. Which two pitchers? This is a tougher question. Somebody that doesn't challenges folks in the zone. Um... I'll give you a hint. One of them you mentioned earlier in this podcast. Does it rhyme with Spencer Strider? No. Is it also Senga? No, not Senga. One of them, I'm going to give you the answers. One of them is Kevin Gaussman. Okay. And the other one, which is quite surprising, was Charlie Morton. Wow. Ah. So Charlie Morton, even though he's at a, at a tender age of, I think it was 39 or 40 getting there, he was in the top 15 of the highest swing and strike percentage and the highest cold strike percentage. So my question to you, Rob, is this. Do you think the strikeout rates are going to go up or down or stay the same for next year? Mike, I mean, it's 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 hmm. good question. I am going lower, and I don't know why I'm saying that. Just a gut feeling? Yeah, just a little bit of a gut feeling. Um, yeah, As everybody makes adjustments and hitters catch up to being their, their pace being dictated. That's just my guess. You know, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say it'll go up, uh, just, just to be uh different, of course. But, uh, no, I, I think that, um, you know, more people getting, more people getting used to the, uh, getting used to the clock and used to the new rules, the more advancements in pitching, the spin rates, the seam shifted wake. I think there's a little bit more to squeeze out of strikeout rates. So I'm going to say up. You didn't say by how much, but I'll just go up a tad. Do you think that maybe hitters are trying to put the ball a tiny bit more in play now, though? Because they're getting rewarded a little bit now? Not, not really. yet. I, I, yeah. I think they're still going for the home run. So I, I think it's either going to stay the same or go up because home runs are what make the money. And home runs... Is, is what baseball wants. They want either the strikeout or the home run. Those are the two ultimate. I mean, yes, yeah. they want to score more runs, but the home runs is what everyone comes to see. People don't come to see Pete Alonso strike out. They come to Pete Alonso hit a home run. They want to see how far Vlad Guerrero can hit a home run. They don't want to see him strike out five yeah. times, you and, know? And we had Vinny Pasquantino on last year, and, you know, he was basically saying that, no, no, we, we, we have, we, our strengths are our strengths, and we're going for our strengths. We're not adapting to the game. We're adapting. We're making the most out of our strengths. So in that in that aspect, I think the game is still long ball, not small ball in baseball. I, I don't think – I mean, if you have Luis Arias on your team, maybe we're playing a little bit more small ball. But for the vast majority of teams, they're going with the same game plan, which is, you know, just attack. The power hitters go for power and so on and so forth. It's play your own game is really the, the name of it. Makes sense to me. Um, I want to talk a little bit about a- uh, analytics, as this is the Fangraphs podcast. <laughs> um, you know what? You know, obviously you're you're showing these gifs and all. Is it a gif or a gif, by the way? I say gif, and I I'm sticking by that. I say gif also, but I guess yeah. there's no absolute correct uh, term. There right? is, and I think people like I don't correct anybody, whatever they call it. It doesn't matter. Well, anyways, uh, <laughs> question question is uh, in terms of uh, analytics and in terms of you know stats and data and all that, um, you know what what do you think is the most important aspect of analytics for pitchers that they're analyzing these days in in the state of baseball? 
You know, I don't, I, I think it's going to depend on the pitcher. I know that they're way more in tune with, with their own analytics. A lot of it is just stuff like looking at, you know, movement, how much things are breaking, the spin axis of their pitches, all that. To me, what I look at are basically, I mean, I love high whiff rates, not only because it makes better gifts for me, but I think it's more, it, it means a, it's just the ultimate domination. I don't believe, I, I think it's very tough to consistently give up balls and play and, and be dominant. It can happen. There are pitchers that do it, but the better way of the, to me, the more consistent way of doing it is just sheer domination. So that's stuff that I look for. Okay. And with all the gifts and or gifs that you put out there, um, I wanted to ask this, this is a fantasy, fantasy relevant baseball podcast. So I wanted to ask you, what do you think your impact is on the fantasy baseball world and how can we use the information and your work to help us with our fantasy teams? Oh, you know, that's great because it's one of the things that I do on my YouTube channel too, is I try to give, like, if I'm seeing somebody that I think is either added a new pitch, that's going to be, you know, it's going to help them. I can usually spot it before folks that are, you know, managing their own fantasy team can can see that and let them know the impact. Um, I was pretty high on Snell pretty early on last year, for example, just for a guy that I had. You know, I I, I look at all the different aspects of of what a pitcher is doing if they've changed anything, their approach. Um, if something jumps out at me, usually it's real. Sometimes it's just an outlier and I miss it. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things that if you pay attention, you're going to see new pitchers, too. Like, I cover college baseball. I cover, you know, anything in the minor leagues. Somebody that's, Matt Brash is a guy who I picked up in the minor leagues. I was watched him going, holy crap, this dude looks like Kerry Wood, and he's in the minor leagues. What, what's up with that? And, uh, and everybody picked up on it right away. They're like, wow, this guy's nasty. And then, you know, he gets called up to the major leagues, and struggled as a starter but he you can see the nastiness right like that's there so if you're paying attention you're gonna see i i do your work for you a lot of times at least somebody might catch your eye and go man he's nasty he's got sick stuff let me look more into him so uh you know that's that's one of the ways it's just basically i monitor everything so that that folks can see and make their own judgments yeah if you're not following pitching ninja you should although i would assume that most of the folks that that are listening here right now already do. Um, let's ask uh, one or two mailbag questions. Thanks, everyone, for sending in stuff. Uh, PhysiqueFan98 asks, are teams like the Rays, who have a lot of severe pitching injuries, are they doing anything differently from other teams, or do you think it's just a case of bad luck? What say you, Rob? So my instincts are it's a case of bad luck, and I hated it for them because every time they had a pitcher – talking about fantasy baseball when you had springs just looked like a world beater and then he gets injured which really kind of sucked for me like you know I, I enjoy watching these guys and i hate injuries like i just i hate it i know how hard it is for guys to have to recover from it from them to be away from their team so i hate that stuff i think it is more luck i i know that the you know they have unique philosophies there i don't think they necessarily have unique training regimens per se they do like guys to throw the ball basically down the middle and let them, you know, let their stuff work uh, and less nibbling type stuff. So maybe they have guys with generally they're seeking out guys with better stuff and maybe they throw harder in general and maybe there's an inclination to get injured. But I really don't think they're doing anything wrong. 
Yeah, I tend to think so also, although since I'm a Mets fan, I, I, I sort of think that all the injuries congregate on the Mets, so it's something to do with the <laughs> Everybody the thinks that, right? Agreed, agreed, <laughs> yeah. Um, although with the Rays, the Rays do em, uh, employ pitchers with very odd arm angle slots, uh-huh. so that is a little bit different. Maybe that is more prone to, uh, to getting injured. They also take more gambles on cheap players because for them, you know, let's just buy a bunch of guys – for high upside, because that's what we can afford, and it works for them in a lot of ways. So maybe the Rays, I would say, a little bit more prone, just because of their buying philosophy and uh, you know who they employ. But in general, luck is obviously the dominating force everywhere. That, yeah, I mean, I, there's not really a common thread between the guys that have gotten injured too. They're all they're all kind of different. They're all, I mean, yeah, I I, I always tend generally when you're seeing somebody. Uh, you know, and they, you see this online all the time on social media where you'll post somebody's mechanics and you're like, oh, yeah, Tommy John in two years. And nobody can predict that accurately. When Max Scherzer came up, they were like, oh, he's a, he's a reliever. He's going to pitch only a little bit because he's, his, he's got this the uh, inverted W, blah, blah, blah. And that never happened. Right, so it's it's right. not something that you can really project very well. We'll do one more mailbag question from Ari Rubin, who says, uh, which two, so he's asking a, a player question, which two of these would you keep out of the following three <laughs> young pitchers at the cost of a 16th round draft pick in a mixed league? So basically, you know, who, who are the best two here? Is it Yuri Perez, Cole Reagans, Tyner, Tanner Bybee? You're giving me three of my favorite young pitchers in <laughs> baseball. Holy crap. Um, like Cole Reagans could win a freaking Cy Young next year. He's that he was that dominant when, you know, just jacked up everything, throwing 99, I think it might touch 100 uh, from the left side with just freaking nasty stuff. But Uri Perez is maybe as good a young prospect as you will ever see. Um, and then Tony Tanner Bybee is like a baby Shane Bieber. And I would take that every day of the week. So I'm not going to be of much help here. Um, I know that like Chris Bassett chimed in when I was going over, like who the best rookies are. He, he said he thought Erie Perez and Tanner Bybee were clearly the two rookies. And I'd have a hard time arguing with him, but that was before Reagan's kind of just came up, you know, got traded and, started dominating and and i would not like to give up any of them i guess if you're looking pure pure throwing heat um you would do you would go with reagan's and perez i mean the baby giraffe can just bring it but Bybee is so good like he's got his whole arsenal he knows how to pitch i love him i don't think he's going to go wrong in other words like i think i think he's not going to go wrong with any of those flip a coin and you'll probably be right moving take on that I think that Yuri Perez is probably the most underrated. I, I mean, he's he's on the Marlins. You don't really hear him that much unless he does something spectacular. He's some of those guys that's under like a guy under the radar, like like a Sandy Alcantara, who people didn't know about. He was treated. I mean, the, the Cardinals traded him. They didn't think he was anybody. But the Marlins find these pitchers. Jesus Lazardo. They find all these pitchers that are just unbelievable and. It takes a while for them to get going. Once they get a the couple of in, more, you know, more innings under their belt, they all of a sudden they just seem to take off. And plus, unlike other teams, unlike the Rays, who don't let the pitchers pitch, they let them pitch. So I think Yuri Perez has the most upside. Cole Reagans, I, I'm I'm not as high on him as 
as Yuri Perez. I like Bybee more than Cole Reagan, so if I had to pick two, I think it'd be Yuri Perez and Tanner Bybee over Cole Reagan's. I know, I know, um, I know, um, what was his name? Um, Pollock is not gonna like that, but that's what it is. Nick Pollock, yeah, he's a Cole Nick Reagan's guy. Like <laughs> he and I both, like Nick and I have <laughs> talked about that, and I, like, Cole Reagan's was just shoving, like, it is so tough not to like that guy. Yeah, uh, I, I'll go Yuri Perez first, and I think it's, I'd say, a medium step above, above these guys. I, I'm more sure about him. Uh, and I'd pick Reagans over Bybee for this particular question to draft at a 16th round uh, in a roto, mixed roto. I think strikeout upside is a little bit more with Reagan, so I probably for fantasy purposes I would take Reagans, uh, but, but very, 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 very small over Bybee. It's really close, but I will tell you, Perez is about as good a young pitcher, like command stuff. He's freaking six foot eight too. He's a monster. Yeah. Oh, he 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 is uh, really good. And as Ruben said, he will uh, pitch. They they let him pitch in the Marlins, and uh, innings matter. And so uh, the more counting stats you get, the better for your fantasy team. All right. Two quick questions for you. Uh, sort of a mini lightning round for you, Rob. Number one, favorite gift of all time. It's that's a tough question. It's like asking me like who my favorite kid is, um, but I definitely did do some great stuff with Javi Baez, making fun of his tendency to swing at absolutely everything. I matched him up with Sister Jean Kaying him, as well as Fifty Cent. So that's probably one of my favorite stuff I've done. But like as far as just a pure pitch, it may be like Miguel Castro against Cattell Marte, where he just it was the sword of the century, like. Marte went flying, and uh, it's still one of the most hilarious things you'll ever see. And favorite current baseball player? Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I guess Shohei you can't say, right? Like, that's too easy. You that's, can't that's, say it, yeah. right? No, you, yeah, you can. I mean, I mean, I enjoy watching all of his games. So, like, he definitely – like, he is a gift not only to baseball but also to everybody on social media. You put him out there, and it gets more interaction than anything because I think everybody's amazed – at the talent at his talent the way he carries himself his expressions are hilarious he's one of those guys that i think is is absolutely just fun to watch every time he's doing anything on the baseball field so that would make him my favorite but there's other like it depends again what day i love watching spencer strider pitch i love like devin williams airbender is unlike anything we've ever seen in baseball as far as like spin rate on a changeup, it's crazy. Um, or 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 like Joan Duran is 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 nuts. Like he's just pure. You don't know when he's going to break the all time velocity record. So just tons of little things that I miss in the off season. It's just like you're making me miss baseball now. All right. And before we go, uh, anything you'd like to uh, pitch? Uh, where can we follow you uh, and uh, see all, all the great work that you do? Absolutely. Well, you can follow me at. Pitching Ninja on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling that platform. Um, on, on IG, Pitching Ninja, TikTok, Pitching Ninja, and YouTube at Pitching Ninja Videos. And you can always pick up a shirt or a hat. I mean, I'll, I'll hawk that, right? It's holiday season. Buy yourself something. Buy, buy your favorite baseball fan something at PitchingNinja.com. How is that for an ad? Amazing, amazing. All right, thank you so much, Rob Freeman, Pitching Ninja, for being on the show. Uh, Ruven and I will be back in just a minute with the injury update. All right, we're back. Uh, great, great interview with uh, Rob Friedman there. 
A um, lot, of, lot of inside, a lot of great stuff there. Um, all right, Ruvain, let's do a bunch of injuries. It's been a long offseason so far. I'm sure you've got uh, plenty to say, so go for it. Yes, we'll stick with the pitching theme here as we just had the pitching ninja on. I'm going to start with Alex Cobb. He had hip surgery at the beginning of November. He had a procedure to repair the labrum for his right hip impingement issues. He's expected to need six months from the beginning of November to return, so he'll miss at least the first month of the year and maybe a little bit longer depending on how his rehab goes. Now, a couple guys you may want to keep an eye on going toward next year, even the middle of next year, you Darvish, I mentioned, mentioned him um, when, on the, when we had our live podcast out in Arizona, that he had a bone spur, and he was shut down for that for a right elbow bone spur. We don't know if he had surgery. We may not know if he had surgery for it until spring training. So if you're drafting now, think about what you want to do about that. And a couple of guys who you want to think about maybe to draft later in, this, in the course of drafts, if you're drafting now, Robbie Ray. He had Tommy John surgery in May. Um, he should be out midway through. <coughs> excuse me, midway through next year, and other pitchers to look for toward the middle of next middle around All-Star break, but post-All-Star break, Luis Garcia, Drew Rasmussen, and Dustin May. All those pitchers have timelines to come back around July, All-Star break that time. So if you want to take a waiver on them mid and early in the year and you have room on your roster to be able to do that, that's great. If you want to think about picking up those guys Toward the, if they weren't drafted, then you may want to think about getting them, let's say, in May or June. If you have a roster spot, just keep those names in the back of your mind. All right, Ruvain, what's going on with you in general these days? Uh, what, what do you got cooking in the fantasy world? Well, you can follow me on Twitter at MLB Injury Guru, where I tweet out the injury updates as they come. They're coming in slow because it happens to be the offseason. Teams don't have to tell you anything. You can also catch my weekly article during season on Rotoborla, which discusses all the injuries that are mentioned here on this pod, as well as many others. All right. I'm Ariel Cohen. I write over at Fangraphs, Rotoballer. We got uh, the ATC projections coming out next month. About the third week in uh, in January, so look forward for that. And of course, you can listen to us right here on the Beat the Shift podcast, presented by Fangraphs. We'll be back next week, and then we'll be back weekly in January. So uh, yeah, lot to look forward to. Twenty twenty four season right around the corner. Uh, wishing everybody happy holidays as you get into holiday season. Happy Hanukkah for those who, for those who just celebrated. Uh, today's the last day when this comes out, and uh, Merry Christmas and Merry Happy Kwanzaa, and uh, enjoy all those great holidays as they come up this month. All right, everyone. Once again, thanks again to Rob Freeman, the Pitching Ninja, for coming on the show, and from all of us here at Beat the Shift. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangraphs. Follow us on Twitter at beat underscore shift underscore pod.